Hi, it's Ellen. Welcome to my podcast. You can't see it, but I am jumping for joy right now. Can you hear me? Jumping? On today's episode, oh my goodness, the one, the only, Cher is here. Ellen talks to Black Klansman star John David Washington, as well as director Spike Lee and Laura Harrier from the film. And Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke talks about his viral speech that shook the internet. Uh, Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. We have uh, the four executive producers of The Ellen Show. I'm Mary Connolly. Edward Patrick Glavin. I'm Andy Lassner. Kevin A. Lehman II. And this week was awesome for me for several reasons. One, we had Monday off. (laughs) What did you do Monday? Weren't you in Newport floating, uh, floating, wearing a sailor hat? Yes, I did. Me and one of our supervising producers. But let's really talk about why this week was special for you. Oh, my gosh. Cher was here. Yes. Who I have always loved, obviously. How do you not love Cher? How but do you a, not who, love Cher? Who doesn't love Cher? No, everyone loves Cher, but as a gay man, Cher really is something for Kevin. I, I thought Andy was coming out for a second. I did too. Oh, that no. was exciting. No, that's on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I freaking love her, and she told Ellen all about Mamma Mia, and now she saved a life with Meryl Streep. How long had it been since you did a movie before Mamma Mia? Here we go again. A hundred years? I don't know. I don't know. It was burlesque, I think, and and, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. So, I don't usually like. I almost turn everything down. I don't know why. So but why did you do this? Because the man who used to be my agent, who's now head of Universal and who's a really good friend, he called me and said, "This is good for your career. You're doing Mamma Mia too," and he hung up. <laughs> he didn't wait for your response. He just nope, hung up. He just hung up. I know who that is. Ron. Ron. Yeah. Uh, and, and you just trusted him? You just said, yes, I'm going to do it? Well, it was between trust and fear. Uh-huh. <laughs> Those are both good motivators. Right. And it's doing, uh, it's amazing. Like $400 million or something, it's made a lot of yeah. money. So aren't you glad you did it? Yeah, I'm thrilled. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally thrilled. And I'm thrilled that I'm Meryl's mother. Yeah. Let's talk about you and Meryl. Right. Y'all really love each other. Right. And you should, because you're both fabulous women. Silkwood is, like, one of my all-time favorite movies. But you're fabulous together. We are. I mean, that's really fun. Like, you want to do another movie with her? I'd love to. Do you have any ideas? No. Okay. You want to come up with any? Yes. Okay. I'll, right. I'll come up with right. an idea, and then you'll Actually, do it. you know, we saved a girl's life once, the two of us. Tell me. What? So, she had just had Mamie, and we were at her apartment... And she said, I want ice cream. I said, okay, cool. I said, but it's kind of a dangerous neighborhood, and it's night. And she said, ah, no, it's like between Chinatown and Little Italy. What could happen? And uh, so we're walking, and we haven't got around the corner yet, but we hear screaming. And we get around the corner, and there's this huge man um, in, like, sweats and I don't know what over it, like basketball shorts, and he's pulling at this girl. She's like shaking this girl. And so Meryl just starts screaming and takes off. And I start screaming and take off too and think, I'm going to get killed. <laughs> My friend is going to kill me. So anyway, so we're running and running. And the guy turns around and he sees us. And he starts running towards us. And then I thought, we're really going to get killed. But we both split off in the opposite directions. And, and we got to the girl and he kind of had ripped her clothes, but she kept her purse, and that's what he wanted. And then we're, like, trying to fix her all up, you know, and, you know, we had nothing, but we're, like, sticking it in her bra strap or shirt. Then she looks at us, and she screams, 
And she said, oh my God, I'm a singing waitress and no one's gonna believe I got mugged and saved by Meryl Streep. <laughs> wow, what a great story. Can we talk about, at 72 years old, how great Cher looks? Oh, my gosh. Her butt is insane. Yes, she, she, I noticed her, that. Her butt's so insane, Ellen asked her about her butt. And in 16 years, I'm not sure I've ever seen that happen. Cher, can I tell people how old you are? Yeah. Can you believe... She's 72 years old. <laughs> do you work out a lot? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Every day? Not every day, but a lot of times. Okay, I need to ask, because we were talking about... did you see me doing a a plank with uh, Harry Smith? No. Well, it was good. He quit before I did. Um, How long can you do a plank for? Well, I... I Once I did five minutes, but I'll never do that again. Wow. But I could do it, like, for two two minutes without a sweat. Yeah, Michelle Obama wants to challenge me because we did push-ups, and she's now, like, she said plank is her thing. I think she could do it for five minutes. You should challenge Michelle. Uh, Yeah, Um, right. Wait, I, uh... No, I have to hear... Because we were watching you in rehearsal, and we were talking about your ass. And I need to know what you do. We want to know your butt exercises? Well, I have a number of them. Like, like... like okay, oh, this is a, Okay, so this is, sounds so dumb because when I say the first thing, I know you're going to do something really dumb. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Well... Okay, okay. try it. So you get done all fours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is someone else in the room? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, sometimes. Okay, so you get down on all fours and you put your leg up like you make an L with I your know leg, what you mean. right? And then yeah. you just do it up like that. And I know, you, right? I and know you that do one. fire hydrants. Yes. These are like not new things. No. But then I've got a thing called. How many times do you do that up in the air like you that? You do three sets of twenty-five. Twenty-five. Right. Okay. And then I have a power plate, and you do, you do squats. You just do old-fashioned things. And I have to confess, I do Zumba. Do you do Zumba? Yeah. Wow. You go to a Zumba class? No, I have a tape. You do it at home? Yeah. I would like to see that. No. Okay. She brings out, like, the silly side of Ellen in a way that a lot of guests don't. We were saying, like, her and Michelle Obama, they don't put up with her shenanigans. Right. They throw it right back in her face, and Ellen just loves it. It is so fun to watch her. And as producers... We always love when someone's out there and challenges Ellen and pokes her a little. Well, you know, Cher, Cher is very confident in who she is and what she does, and she doesn't need to take any any grief from Ellen, and she knows... Literally she, the opposite li- of me. Literally, you see Cher on stage rehearsing her song, and you go like, my God, she has been doing this forever. She is like the consummate professional, knows exactly what to do, has incredible comic timing, and just brings it. So now Kevin had a brilliant idea that none of us thought would actually happen. And which he was overdue for. <laughs> we have a dry he bar. He was overdue for a good A idea. new dry bar next to my favorite drinking place, Don Cuco's. Oh, they send us free chips. Kevin loves to leave Don Cuco's and get a blowout. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I thought you were going to say. Um, so yeah, dry bar just opened. And, of course, Cher played a stylist in Mermaids. Ellen has hair, so who? what a better team to go and surprise people there uh, and have them do their blowouts than 
Ellen and Cher. And I was like, there's no way Cher is going to go with Ellen to the dry bar and blow hair. Cut the reaction, to... The reaction to the folks in the dry bar when the door opens and Ellen and Cher walk into the brand new dry bar in Toluca Lake. It was awesome. <laughs> it was fantastic. Cher instantly said yes. Ellen got here early to do it. It was so much fun. We shot it and cut it all on the same day. I think we're putting the whole thing up on Ellen Tube, so you can definitely see the whole thing there if you For want sure. to. sure. I rode in the car with Cher over there and kind of pitched her through some ideas we wanted to do and told her where we had some wigs hidden. But And he was a little shaky in his voice, I'm, and Kevin never gets nervous. Oh, I'm very he nervous was a little, He was a little shaky around I don't Cher. do well around celebrities. He was a little shaky. Especially I was, ones I was, that are It made me happy. Me. It was fun. And like that's the coolest thing about our job is like Kevin Lehman grew up loving Cher. And now he's producing her in a comedy piece. So it really is a cool job, and it never gets old to me. Mary, tell the story of Kevin Lehman. I'm so glad you asked, uh, Ed. Uh, so Kevin Lehman came to us out of the NBC Page program. He began as really sort of just a young man who was mostly straight or confused with his sexuality <laughs> was at the very time. Straight back then. Yeah, he, he was, was dating very women. straight. Mm. Uh, we hired him, I believe, as a production. Assistant. Assistant. He was a producer's assistant. He did a number of things. Very quickly, he became a writer after submitting some material to Ellen that How she How many years did you loved. work here before you became a writer? Two. So so meteoric. But, but we were using meteoric Kevin Lehman ideas in the first few weeks of the show. Well, he appeared on the very first episode yeah. of the Ellen DeGeneres he show. He didn't look great. Because he's an amazing... <laughs> He's an amazing artist. He had a full face. Uh, he became a writer. He then became the head writer. And, uh, and When did you become the head writer? So two years in, we've, we're starting our 16th season. Yeah. yeah. In season three, you became a writer? Mm-hmm. And then when did you become the head writer? I think officially season seven. Long story short, Kevin is now an executive producer, and Ellen made him gay. Okay. Stop yelling. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Isn't right. that what happened? That's pretty much He's what gay. happened. And he's an EP. And I was young, and I'm old. But here's what's interesting, Ed. How long have we all been together at the Ellen DeGeneres Show? 16 years. We've been here since the beginning. Right. Yeah. Never mind before today. Never. This is this is the first. This is really the first time anyone has wanted to hear what we've had to say. I'm not sure if they even want to, Mary. Oh well, that's very (laughs) true. (laughs) This is the first time we're forcing ourselves left at this time. No. At this point. We have zero listeners left. Uh, Kev. Yes, dear. There was such an amazing moment in that piece there's such an incredible moment you know 16 years in it feels like everything has happened right but and how then, often does someone you know, call ellen <laughs> yeah a, a word oh ellen, my gosh. ellen loves to to poke and poke and poke and push buttons and share put up with it for a while and then just unleashed a little bit on ellen in a way that made ellen laugh her head off if I could read the star, sky? Stars. Stars. I'd give them all to you. Right. Did you write that song? No. Because, like, if you could reach a star, you can't really give them to somebody. It would, they would be hot. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Right? Yes. Reach what do you the mean, stars. Yes. You don't know her. <laughs> yes. From what I see on TV. Yes, she knows me. They know me better yeah. than they know you. <laughs> Oh, you're such a bitch. <laughs> you know, Cher just had been poked by Ellen enough that Cher turned around and just said the B word. Cher called Ellen a bitch yep. in a way that was fantastic, hilarious. Yeah, Everyone thoroughly enjoyed it, especially Ellen. Yeah. Do you guys follow Cher on Twitter, by the way? I do. She's, you know... She is something on the Twitter. amount of emojis. She it, it's like my kids. 
Nobody sometimes, uses emojis more than that woman. And, and she'll actually they spell sentences sometimes, and, mean, and then and sometimes mean, absolutely nothing. Yeah. So they literally mean... It, I always think it's like she fell on her keyboard. That's what it looks like. <laughs> well, and she, and she talked about it with Ellen about how sometimes she does a great job with it and other times not so great. She's uh, very, very active on Twitter. I don't know if you follow her, but if you do, uh, you'd know she's very active on Twitter. If you don't follow her, you should. And you should, if you follow her, you should follow me. And if you follow me on Twitter, you should follow me on Instagram. <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> Shares, tweets, yes. Um, so she's very active. Here's one of her tweets. Um, and it's I heart apples, hearted it, all four X's, I've lived here, winky kiss mouth seven. So I don't know what it means, but I winky kiss mouth it. But she just wears her heart on her sleeve. Like she just, she tweets what she feels. And if she feels enraged, she tweets rage. And she knows it. And she's, you know, she's, she's self-aware. She told us, you know, she tells us that she sometimes has to, uh, delete tweet to take them back like she's I don't know she's just so like real after all this time on on camera and in the business you just gotta love her I also loved that she was so open about talking about being dyslexic and how emojis actually help her in terms of her dyslexia but I thought that was interesting they, they help her and then sometimes she then with all her emojis it, it gets a little discombobulated we should also talk about Black Klansmen. We got to talk about that. Has it's, everybody seen that? How many, how many about, times have you seen Black Klansmen? I've seen Black Klansmen uh, three times. It all started about a week before we were coming back. Ellen called us all and said, Oh my God, Black Klansmen, I want everybody from that movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that prompted all of us to see it immediately. And the star, John David Washington, was fantastic. Oh my god! And I had never heard or seen him before. He happens to be Denzel Washington's son. I like to think of him as Pauletta Washington's son. That's true. You've always said that. I'm so happy you're here. You know that as soon as I saw that movie, first of all, I love the movie. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. I've seen it a few times. Um, and, and, and I said, uh, I want everybody on that film here. I want, I want John David. I want everybody here. So, oh, thank so you. here you are. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so you grew up here, like, very close to here, right? Right around the corner, Toluca Lake, California, where we got the best Halloween festivities. Like, we would, you know, the best candy. Like, they would just decorate the houses. Oh, yeah. And... It's the place where people drive to, 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 to go door to door. It's serious. Like, yeah. people take it very seriously. That and Christmas, too. I don't know if people know this, but your mama is uh, Pauletta uh, Washington. Your dad is Denzel Washington. And, um, but, and I would think that's a really hard thing to be, to be their son and, and you, you know, very uh, smart of you not wanting to go into this business. Yeah. You went into, you played football. Yes. And where'd you play football? So, uh, so Campbell Hall right down the road as well. And then I went to Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. and, oh, okay. Uh -huh. All right. Yeah. Historically black college known for uh, Martin Luther King, you know, Samuel Jackson. Not known for their football or the athletic program no. necessarily. So... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it, it was a great choice nonetheless. And then, uh, then the NFL. Uh, yeah. You played in the NFL? Uh, yeah, St. Louis Rams. Oh. I, was, I was. Wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. You know it. Okay. Y'all from St. Louis or something? Or? Yeah. They're okay. just gonna clap at anything you say. <laughs> yeah, you got uh. the best audience though. Right. But uh, but now they're the LA Rams. But uh, yeah, I was I was on the bench though the entire time. I didn't actually get to play. I was wondering, you oh. see like 900 guys on the sidelines, right. and I'm like, how many of them get to play? Yeah. yeah. So you never got to play? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> That's what you said. They're like, no, I didn't. I didn't. So, <laughs> but wait a minute. I thought you got injured, which is why you went into acting. 
Uh, I did get injured, and it is why I got into acting, but it had nothing. I got, uh, I got let go before all that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like, it was a progression, yeah. Well, what so, did you get injured doing? Uh, training for a, a pending workout with the New York Giants, and uh, I was doing a drill where I, I, jumped down, I jump up, and I, when I land, I explode out, and I heard, I heard that. And my Achilles, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and my Achilles just exploded, and Ooh. I saw this little worm in my calf. And oh. I knew it was over. The doctor was like, I got good news and bad news. The good news is I can get you in surgery in four days. Bad news is it's over for you. Oh, no. She didn't say it like that, but that's how I felt. Right, <laughs> you know what right, I mean? yeah. You know, and it just kind of like my whole life sort of flashed in front of me in that moment um, because, you know, I've been playing football since I was five. You know? Yeah. So, so then you thought acting. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to do it my whole life, Ellen. I, um, I, I built up this sort of resistance to the kind of treatment I was getting in my father's ascension in the business, sure. and I sort of wanted to protect my feelings, protect myself, and have this sense of identity, and football served that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, but inside, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to act. Now, nah, I've, I've come out now. Well, yeah, <laughs> lucky for us, because you're, you're so good in this film. You really are. So tell everybody, if they haven't seen uh, Black Klansman, what it's about. So, Black Klansman, it's a Spike Lee joint. About the first African-American detective in uh, Colorado Springs in the 70s, and he, uh, he runs a sting operation uh, infiltrating the Ku Klux Klan. They thought he was white, a white supremacist. And then uh, Spike Lee, I get a text from, uh, from Spike, and I don't really hear from Spike, like, ever, especially via t uh, uh, phone, cell phone. So uh, I, get, I get, like, yo, this Spike called me. I'm like, uh, yeah, right, but I'm gonna check it out anyway. I called him up, he's like, yo, Spike, it's Spike. I was like, yo, what up? Listen. Ku Klux Klan, black Klansman member, black detective. He infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan. I was like, what? This is crazy. Where you at? I'm in, Col I'm in, uh, I'm in Cincinnati. Right, I'm gonna send you the book. Where you at again? Cincinnati. Where? Cincinnati. All right. I click. I get the book. I read it. It was crazy. I call it back like Spike. I can't believe this happened. This is crazy. He's like, you love it? I love it. All right. Bet. See you this summer. And we convinced Spike Lee, who doesn't really ever leave New York, uh, to come to L.A., fly in, do our show, fly out on the same day to appear for the first time ever on The Ellen Show. Hey, Spike, how are you? This is the first time... First time you've been here. First time! <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe you hang out in New York too much or something. Do you come to L.A. a lot? Yeah, but usually it's one day I left JFK, 6 a.m. this morning. I'm going back on the red eye tonight. Oh in and out. All right, you are an amazing man, thank just you very period, much. number one. And thank you for being here. Your film thank is. Thank you for is, having me. Thank you for being here. Thank, and you, you having thank me. you for being here. <laughs> I come back more often, but yes. um, this film is the kind of film, if you haven't seen it, um, I've seen it twice. I know other people who have seen it two and three times. It's the kind of film that you want to see over and over again. So congratulations. It's an important film that much. everyone should see. Um, it's. I mean, it, it premiered at, at, at Cannes, and right. I, you got a six-minute standing ovation. So at that point, you had to know you had something. I knew before. More with Spike after this, and the actress in the film, who is also brilliant. We'll be right back. Congratulations, Thank Laura. Thank you. What a great role this is. Thank you so much. And it's, this, it's a true story, but your, your character is the only fictional character yes. in the film. Yeah. So he really wanted you in it. He created something. How did you hear that you got this? How did you hear about this? Well... Tell the story. <laughs> um, so I was on vacation last summer in Greece, and um, my phone rang. I was sitting on a beach, and 
you know, normally I wouldn't pick up numbers that I don't know, but full disclosure, I was a little drunk. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I answer, and I hear, Laura, this is Spike Lee. But I'm, I'm sorry, it's a terrible impression. Just go ahead. <laughs> it's so no, bad. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. keep doing it. So um, I hear Laura the Spike Lee, and I said, oh my God, what? I'd never met him before, never spoken to him. And so he said he wanted to meet me when I was back in New York. And I said, well, Spike, I'm, I'm in Greece, you know? And he goes, uh, what, did, what did you say? Um, I need to see you Thursday. He says, it's Tuesday. He says, I'll see you Thursday. Vacation's over. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's like, power. I have to get off of this island. That's what do power. I do? And I did, of course. Right. So you meet with Spike, and yeah. then did you read for him, or did you? Yes. So um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Spike is a tenured professor at NYU. So I went and met him at his class. We watched 25th Hour. Um, I couldn't pay attention at all because I was so nervous. So I was trying to ask smart questions, but I don't even know if I was making any sense. And um, then we went to this audition, and no one told me, but when you audition with Spike, it's not for Spike, it's actually with Spike. So you do the scenes with him. How is he as a director? Is he very, like, do you do a lot of takes or is it improv and just a, a t one take? Or what is it like to work with Spike? Um, Spike's really collaborative as a director. I mean, you know, for this legend of film and this person I've looked up to for so long, it was amazing to be on a set where you're, you can voice your opinions and there's a conversation and um, I don't know, it was a really, really good vibe. It was really fun. It is a, I keep, I keep saying it is an important film and if, uh, if, if you haven't seen it, see it and it will make you realize you do have to register to vote. This is a very, very important time for us because things need to change and this is kind of a reminder that things haven't changed enough. It is called Black Klansman. It's in theaters everywhere now. We'll be right back. For me, it, that's like Kevin Share moment to have you know when I was when I was coming up in New York City, Spike Lee was making She's Got to Have It and all these other movies that like you dressed up like Spike Lee in college, <laughs> you know, a and little performed I got you of, it's sort of like Share but not quite. Oh. You know, you know a little bit, but I didn't perform. <laughs> oh, and just a highlight. Let's just a side note. So the morning that Spike Lee is here. I'm obsessing a little bit about the music we're going to play on our stage <laughs> uh, when Spike Lee's on the stage. And so I'm, I'm playing the Black Landsman soundtrack in my office. And Kevin says, Ed, what are, you, what are you playing? And I said, I'm playing the soundtrack. And Kevin says, to Sister Act? <laughs> it's literally the same songs in Sister Act 1 on the Black Klansman soundtrack. So I highly recommend both. Okay, so Beto O'Rourke is a congressman from Texas who's running for Senate against Ted Cruz. And he's doing all these rallies across the state. And he gets asked a question about football players taking a knee during the national anthem. And, and that video starts to go viral. And when it starts to go viral, Andy sees it. We're all in Seattle with Ellen, who's doing her stand-up special. And then, Andy, you show that video to Ellen. Well, he gave a four-minute answer to that question. Yeah. And then Andy was really moved by it. And and first of all, with my attention span, a four-minute video is really long. And it's four minutes of just riveting and compassionate explanation of why the football players kneel and in a way that is understanding and also respectful of both sides. And so we showed it to Ellen going, you know, this is sort of taking off on the Internet. Do you have any interest? And she immediately wanted to meet him. She was as moved as we right. were. She, she, we watched the video, and she pointed to her arm and said, look at my arm. And there was hair raised on her arm, and she, there were tears in her eyes, and she said, I want to meet him. 
Our next guest is running in one of the most talked about Senate races in the country. He became a viral sensation after answering a question about NFL players' right to protest during the national anthem. Here's what he said. The question is, how do you feel about NFL players who take a knee during the national anthem? And is it disrespectful to this country, to the flag? My, my short answer is no. I don't think it's disrespectful. Here's my, my longer answer, but I'm going try to try to make sure that I get this right. Um, because I think it's a really important question. And reasonable people, reasonable people can disagree on this issue. Let's begin there. And it makes them no less American to come down on a different conclusion on this issue, right? Um, you can feel as a young man does, you can feel as I do, you're every bit as American all the same. Peaceful, nonviolent protests, including taking a knee at a football game to point out that black men, unarmed, Black teenagers, unarmed, and black children, unarmed, are being killed at a frightening level right now, including by members of law enforcement, without accountability and without justice. And this problem, as grave as it is, is not going to fix itself. And so nonviolently, peacefully, while the eyes of this country are watching these games, they take a knee to bring our attention and our focus to this problem to ensure that we fix it. That is why they are doing it. And I can think of nothing more American than to peacefully stand up or take a knee for your rights anytime, anywhere, any place. So thank you for being here. Uh, I saw this, I, I was, uh, I think in Seattle, somebody showed me a, a week ago, um, and now it's up to 44 million views. So it has really gone viral. A lot of people have seen this, and I'm so glad that they have. So I, tweet, I saw it, I tweeted it, and I, I wanted to meet you right away. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having yeah. me on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So it was amazing because it almost seemed like you set that up, like that guy was a plant, because your, your answer was so eloquent, and you just, just to answer that and then to go on and say everything you said was just beautiful. We visited every single one of the 254 counties of Texas, and then this question comes up about kneeling uh, at these NFL games to call attention to um, the, the deaths and the shootings of unarmed black men in this country. And so I just gave the answer that was on my mind, um, had never been asked the question before, tried, tried to be honest, and um, that's, that's what came out. And, and I hope, if nothing else, uh, we're able to give the people of Texas our, our honesty and have the courage of our convictions on the issues that matter most. I thought it was a, a brilliant answer. I thought everything that you said was amazing, but then I also heard that a lot of people were very angry about it. Yeah, so, some people are upset, and I tried to say at the outset of the answer, listen, you, you can come to a different conclusion on this. It doesn't make you any less American. There's a guy that, that I absolutely adore, an all-time hero of mine, Vietnam-era veteran, Bobby Ronhell in El Paso, Texas. And he got in touch with me afterwards. He said, I was, Beto, I've, I've worked with you on the VA. We've turned it around in El Paso. You've been a leader on expanding mental health care for, for veterans in this country. But that answer really disappointed me. Um, and and that, that hurt me to hear that. And yet it's important for me to hear that. And Bobby and I are going to be friends and, and we're going to be okay. And this country's going to be okay. But it's hard to think of a major or important or significant change that we've made as a country that wasn't painful, that didn't require these, these difficult conversations, um, these unguarded moments with one another that ultimately produce change and progress in, in the right direction. And so I hope in some small way we've contributed to that in the conversation that we've had that's been shared now, and also in this campaign that we're running, not 
against anyone, not against a political party, but for this country at this moment of truth. This, this moment will define us, I, I feel, for forever. That's, that's what, for me, is so thrilling about this moment. We will decide the future right now uh, and two months to go until the 6th of November when we, when we I decide. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's so. very important. Yeah. The thing about the answer to that question that went viral, I believe one of the reasons it went viral is that it was spontaneous. It was not the subject of the rally, right? So one of the things he said was, you can come down on either side of this issue and no side of this argument is less American than the other side. And, you know, we've worked for Ellen for 16 years and Ellen is all about compassion. She is all about kindness. She ends every show by saying, be kind to one another. So for her, this is above politics. This is about kindness and compassion. And I think she was really moved by him. I think she really, you know, we rarely interview political figures and she genuinely wanted to meet him and she was really happy that she that she got to meet him, I think. Right. Well, because she has always felt like nobody is all good and nobody is all bad. And here was a politician actually expressing that in a way that spoke to her. You know, 16 years into our show, Better O'Rourke on our show for the first for the first time. John David Washington on our show for the first time. Spike Lee on our show for the first time. It was really uh, it was an amazing week. Yeah. Well, lovers, yes, I've got to get to Pilates. So <laughs> let's wrap this up. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us right now, and don't forget to watch Ellen Weekdays for even more Ellen fun. Thanks again for joining us on Andy and Friends. No, Uh-oh, that's not what, what it's called. Hey, come on! I thought we talked about that. I don't know.